Welcome to KJV Cafe. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen. Each episode of the cafe is dedicated to studying the Bible verse by verse from Genesis through Revelation. Your host here at the cafe is Bible teacher Clark Covington. Looks like the coffee is hot and ready, so let's get started. Amen. Glory to God. Welcome to the program. Welcome to the cafe. Pastor Clark Covington here with another episode of KJV Cafe. Can you believe it? It's another day, another episode. Man, blessed to be here. Hopefully you're doing good. And we just spent three episodes on Genesis 1:27, being made in the image of God. And I'm so thankful that God made us in his image, that we can have fellowship with him, that we can be saved by him, that he understands our struggles. Amen. Uh, you know, I love that verse that talks about how Jesus, uh, he, that he has experienced what we've gone through. You know, Jesus has gone through what we've gone through, you know, and that's, think about that. How amazing is that? He came to earth and he struggled like we've struggled. You know, it's amazing to think that. I can think about going through something, you know, almost every day, you know, um, Every day you go through something, right? And you say, how, how am I going to get through this? And then you think about how the Lord went through it, you know? Uh, I mean, it's, it's incredible because Jesus Christ himself, did he go through hum- humiliation? He did. Did he go through suffering? He did. Did he go through hardship? He did. It's amazing. It's amazing. And, and yet he knows us. Let's take a look at this. Hebrews 4, 15 through 16. Amen. Hebrews 4, 15 through 16. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us there come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So we're told to come boldly to the throne of grace because Jesus Christ, our high priest, has felt the infirmities that we have felt. So when we go to pray to to Jesus, we're not praying in vain. We're not praying to some ruler in some high castle that has never been down here on earth where the common man lives. He has, he knows, and he can, I, I think it's this deep, okay? Not only has the Lord Jesus Christ felt the pain that we felt in his earthly ministry, But the Holy Spirit living within the hearts and minds of the believer, amen, feels that pain that you're going through. And we know the Holy Spirit's the third part of the Trinity, God the Son, God the Father, and God the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. So Jesus Christ has been through what what you, the type of thing you're going through, the temptations, the trials, the snares, and he also can relate to you because of the Holy Spirit. And we know that we pray by the working of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says the Holy Spirit utters words we can't even speak, through Jesus Christ the mediator, who has been where we've been, to God the Father. That's the Holy Trinity at work in the life of prayer of the believer. And now we're going to tackle Genesis 1, and we're going to get at least a verse 28 as soon as we come back from this break. You're listening to KJV Cafe. We encourage you to look us up on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Now let's get back to some more in-depth Bible study. All right. So we got in his image. We know that God's so good. We know he loves us. We're in Genesis 1. We did uh, uh, verse 27, verse 28. And God blessed them 
And God said unto them, okay, I should, let me take a step back. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image in the image of God created he, him, male and female created he, them. So verse 27 of Genesis one, speaking of man, God's creation. Verse 28, and God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And verse 29 here, and God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed, which is upon the, f- uh, the face of all the earth, and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed, to you it shall be for meat." And we know meat being food, and we see the herb bearing seed, the fruit tree, and so forth. That's why some people ponder if uh, prior to the flood, people were vegetarians, because it says something to that extent. Verse 30, and to every beast of the earth, to every fowl of the air, to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every herb for meat, and so, and it was so. Uh, And so we see here in verses 28, uh, 29, and 30 that God blesses man. God says, be fruitful and multiply. It's a blessing to have children. That's a whole other message, but it's a blessing to to be fruitful and multiply, have a bunch of kids. Amen. Uh, The Bible says the children is, is, you know, the... They're, they're very important. They're the crown of the ground, grandfather, and they're the pride of the, the parents and so forth. Uh, and then conversely, in Proverbs especially, talks about how a child that transgresses, that goes away uh, from the ways of God, is, is really uh, disheartening to the mother and the father. So we see here that we have God giving us dominion over the fish. We've talked about the fish And now we're going to talk about the cattle because it mentions here every creeping thing on the earth. Earlier in the scripture, it mentions the cattle as well. And we're going to get to the cattle here. Uh, You know, we see cattle throughout scripture. Guess how many references there are to cattle in the scripture? I mean, you got one here in Genesis 24. Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beast of the earth after his kind, and it was so. There are 133 references in the Bible, 131 in the Old Testament, and only two in the New. Now, I I wonder if you can guess why are there not more mentions of cattle in the New Testament? There's 133 in the Old and only two in the New. How about this? In the Old Testament, the Jews were under the sacrificial system, and they were sacrificing cattle. They were bringing their cattle to sacrifice. Now, why would God have them to perform sacrifices? It's that sweet-smelling savor. It's that, it's that offering to God. And by the way, you can read there in the Old Testament that God doesn't want their nasty, like, runt-of-the-litter sacrifice. He doesn't want their worst sacrifice, one they wouldn't even give to like their boss or their friend. They're trying to give it, give God their leftovers. God wants the best sacrifice, right? The, the first of the flock, the first fruits of the crop. God wants that. And so that's, again, a whole other message, but it's in line with this idea that there was a sacrificial system and it was there to help us to understand what was to come. Because these sacrifices were temporary. After they made a sacrifice, 
sin would occur and they'd have to go make another sacrifice. And it was almost like this ongoing cycle, which helps us to understand why there's so many references to cattle in the Old Testament. But once Jesus Christ came as our Messiah and Lord, he provided the final sacrifice on the cross at Calvary. There were no more animals needed. Jesus Christ alone provided the sacrifice for all mankind. And so what we see here is that if, like, for example, you were just kind of pulling verses randomly out of the Bible and you said, oh, God wants me to sacrifice, I'm going to go get me a, you know, a, a, an ox or something, and I'm going to go burn it on these coals and so forth and fillet it as I should and all this, you would be doing something um, extra. And Christ has already completed all that needs to be done, number one. And then number two, by you doing something extra, you are now saying that you, by your works, are earning your way somehow into heaven. And God won't have that. And so there is nothing more than the final sacrifice that Christ paid at the cross. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the law. Amen. He fulfilled the law. So the law was requiring these things. He fulfilled the law. Matthew 5 uh, it, it, right, start at 17. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Christ is the fulfillment of the law. Amen. He fulfilled the law by dying on the cross at Calvary and being raised again the third day. You know, the, the Bible in the Old Testament says there's no uh, remission of sin or forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. And so God requires a blood sacrifice, and he requires the sinless, spotless lamb to come. Not, not Again, not the sinful man, not this other person, but Christ himself to come and present himself as the propitiation for our sins, as the payment for our sins. And so me, let's just take me for an example here. I don't mind using me for an example. Uh, I'm a sinful fallen person. And it doesn't matter that when I was born, and I don't even know, I'm guessing when I was born, someone sprinkled some water on me or I was part of some ceremony. That doesn't matter. Doesn't matter that like my, one of my grandparents at one point went to church. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if I went to school or whatever degree I got. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter anything. Okay. I am sinful and I am unholy and I am unworthy of God's heaven. And the only way to be forgiven of my sin is for Jesus Christ to die on the cross at Calvary to pay that sin debt. The Bible said he had to drink of the bitter cup of sin for all humanity. And so he was dying on the cross at Calvary for all humanity, past, present, and future. And he also was uh, providing a forgiveness of sin for our sins, past, present, and future. And so when we accept Christ as Savior, for me, I go and I get saved, amen. I'm, I'm practically running down the aisle. I got saved a little bit later in life, I guess. I was about 22, 23 years old, and I was ready to go. I got saved. I accepted the Lord as Savior, amen. I believed in the Lord. When I did that, when I simply believed that Jesus Christ died for my sins, when I said, Lord, I believe you, then the... the, the um, his payment was appropriated to me. I was kind of fumbling for words there. The payment that Christ made at the cross at Calvary was now appropriated to my account. The Bible word would be imputed. It was imputed to my account. And so now I am no longer in the eyes of God, sinful Clark. I am now looked at as a child of God 
as a believer in Christ, as an overcomer of this world. Now, it doesn't mean that now I won't ever sin. It just simply means that my sin is forgiven. And now some people would say, well, if your sin is forgiven, why don't you live wild and wild and wild? Well, why would I do that? When Christ died on the cross at Calvary for my sins, he paid an awful price. And I fear the Lord and I reverence the Lord. So instead of living wild, I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to present myself, as the Bible says, like a living sacrifice. I'm going to say, God, what would you have me to do today? God, not my will, but thy will. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Lord, I repent. I don't want to do them anymore. Like if I've done something wrong, show it to me and please, please help me to understand that I never do that again. That's the attitude of the born again Christian. That's why we have the Holy Spirit living within us. The Bible says the job of the Holy Spirit is to convict us of sin. So we're convicted of our sin after salvation. We are repentant of our sin when we pray to God. And and the Bible tells us he's faithful and just to cleanse us from all sins, to forgive us. This is the idea of sanctification, of living for God each day. But it starts with what Christ has already done at Calvary, which is available. Anybody listening to this that has not been saved, it's available to you today. You simply have to accept Christ as Savior. You don't have to do anything else. You literally just believe what I've explained, that Christ died for your sins at the cross of Calvary. If you simply believe on Jesus Christ, if you believe, 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 that's it, then you'll be saved. You just say, Lord, I believe. I believe you died for me. I want to make you Lord of my life. Lord, please come into my heart, rule and reign in my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. If you can pray that prayer and mean it and truly mean it, you'll be saved. And that's it. It's that simple. God God desires all to be saved. There's nobody that's too bad that can't be saved. And there's no one that's too good that doesn't need to be saved. And salvation is not that complicated, but go ahead, let man have, have some time with it and they'll create all kinds of rituals around it and extras and all kinds of stuff. Or they'll question this idea of what's called the atonement or the substitutionary death. They'll come up with all these big SAT words to question it and debate it. Look, it's simple, 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 amen, simple, yet so profound and our lives depend on it. And it starts with what Christ did on the cross at Calvary. And that's why there's not a whole lot of cattle in the New Testament. That's why it's mostly mentioned in the Old Testament, because that was prior to Jesus' earthly ministry, prior to his bodily sacrifice on the cross. And that's a beautiful example of how we should trust in Jesus today. He's done it all. We simply trust in him. Tune in next time as we get deeper into cattle. Thank you for listening. Take care. God bless and amen. Thanks for spending time with us today at the cafe. We would love to hear from you. You can email Brother Clark directly at clark at enduringpromise.org. See you again tomorrow, same time, same place.